it either. I need, I need to go find the retweet. It was saying that Eno was held out of practice, but the Cardinals' uh, official practice report reported him as not practicing at all. So, like, he was there, but they didn't count it as a full practice. And the game's Thursday. Hmm. Interesting. All right. It might be yeah. Rondell Moore season, though, Dan. That might be, like, Rondell Moore's, like, 12-catch game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We got it. We got to chill in the seasons. The, the, the <laughs> S, S, the S, S, S that ends. We, we got today. That's why I went to the bull market, man. We try to switch it up a bit, you know, for, for but the with Ramondre Stevenson. It works out perfectly. I know. Stevenson season. I know. I was on the road today. Dan, Dan, Dan came in late with that beauty. We'll have to use it on, yeah. on another one. We'll have to use it on another one. All right, guys, let's get to it. You guys are already ru- get causing ruckus in the chat, which we love. Appreciate you guys tuning in live. We got another monster show today. One of our favorite guests are back. We're going to get you ready for week seven beyond so you can crush your leagues. Let's get with it. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's a... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the GOAT district. And like I said, guys, we have one of our favorites. You know him as the director of fantasy and gambling at the 33rd team, Josh Larkey, the TikTok machine. Welcome back to the GOAT district. Thanks for having me back. It's been a few months. It feels good. It feels right. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Theo sent over what looks like a, a, a very nice show sheet. So I, I took some notes. And I, I think this is good. We're six weeks in. We we kind of know a little bit of what to expect at this point. So I'm ready. You're crushing it with the 33rd tree, uh, team. Maybe you could uh, share kind of where people can find you now and kind of some of the work you're putting out. I know you just dropped your rankings for this week. Maybe you could share also if you have anybody higher or lower than consensus this week. So you can find all my work on the33rdteam.com, and it's all free for the entire 2022 season. So for anyone out there that's already paying for something and they're like, I don't really want to pay for anything else. Great. This is a place where you don't have to pay for anything. You can just enjoy the content. So in terms of my, my rankings, I put my weekly rankings out on the site on Tuesdays, generally Tuesday night until Wednesday night. I am furiously updating, not just the rankings, but I'll write up roughly a third to half of the players that I rank and write a paragraph kind of why I ranked them where I did since my, my pet peeve with the rankings is that I hate the the people that post or they post their rankings and you see someone and you're like, Oh wow, that, that looks like a hot take. 
how do you have this player so highly or so lowly ranked? And they, it's just crickets. You have no idea why they did it. And I don't think that helps you. That doesn't help me. So what I try and do is I, I try to provide context. So essentially any player that I think needs a, a reason for why I ranked them where I did, I'll write them up. So in terms of who I have above and below consensus, I don't look at anyone else's rankings for the entire first day. So I haven't actually compared my rankings yet. This is purely based on my intuition, <laughs> the data. But if I'm looking through right now, well, who I'll, I'll I think ask you is about gonna... one guy. I'll ask you about one yes. guy because you have Deontay Johnson 19th this week. And I think some people are a little worried and might have him closer to wide receiver 30. I like your bullishness on Deontay. You seeing the targets. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could kind of share your process with that. Sure. Uh, he, he should get Mitchell Trubisky this week. Trubisky uh, loved Deontay. I, I don't quite understand why people aren't more bullish on Deontay this week if it's a hot take to have him top 20. Uh, based on my expected fantasy points model, he's he should be averaging over 13 PPR points a game, which is very, very strong usage, which would justify even a higher spot, honestly. But it's Trubisky. We, we shouldn't expect very much. But I think what we should expect is the 30% target share. So I, I don't think it's too crazy. Miami is a bottom five pass defense this year. I think everything's setting up for a really nice Deontay bounce back week. And I think some people will bench him. Pickett scared them off and they don't quite realize just how many targets he was getting with it. He was basically locked into 10 to 12 targets a week with Trubisky. Target monster for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Theo, you want to actually, before we get into it, guys, just reminder, smash the like, smash the subscribe. We keep bringing the guests. We want to help you guys win. Help us out. We got some links in the in the comments below. You guys can click ff myffpc.com. You know where the where the players are at. Where we like to play underdog. Use the code district. Theo, we have so much to get to, and I think Larky's got a, a hard out. So let's get yeah. Right let's, let's, to get it. Let's, let's get rocking. Let's get to rocking. it, man. So, let's get to it. One guy that I would that I really want to start the show out by asking you about is Ramondre Stevenson. He's up to running back nine overall. He played about 85% of the running back snaps this, this past weekend in New England, which is just unheard of for, for a Bill Belichick running back. Um, how bullish should we be on Ramondre Stevens season or Mondre season uh, and keep it going? And what are your expectations for him when Damian Harris returns? So right now, assuming Damian Harris is out this week, I have him as a top 10 running back. I had him as a top 10 running back last week as well. I think some people have been a little bit slow to realize just how good the role is. And there's just precious few running backs that are going to be getting 15 plus carries a week while also seeing some type of target share and monopolizing the goal line work. That's kind of what Ramondre has essentially done. So I think he, he is a mid to he's probably like a mid range RB one type. Anytime that Damian Harris is out when Damian Harris returns, I would expect a pretty even carry split with pretty much all the receiving work going to Ramondre, which in this running back climate still puts him in kind of like the, the running back 15, 18 range each week, where I feel like he's just above that threshold of like the, oh, you might as well just go to waivers. Why, why are you playing this running? Why are you so excited about this running back? I feel like he, even with Damian Harris, he's going to be a cut above that. It's not going to be like a Najee Harris situation where you're like, oh, wow, I'm basically just, I have a waiver wire level running back each week so i think that's what i like about Ramondre is that anytime harris is out 
RB1. Even if Harris plays, I think the role is still going to be good enough. And I think Damian Harris has shown that he struggles to stay healthy. So I I like this offense. I think it's going to be better once Mac Jones returns. I know there's some people out there that are convinced Bailey Zappi is the answer. I think it's very unlikely. Quick, quick ROS, quick ROS, rest of the season, Stevenson or Sanders? Ooh, that's really tough. That's really, I, really hard, JD. Why are you coming out with such a hard? Sorry, roll, bro. This is a this is a good this is a good district. Right. It's not like the mushroom district or anything, you know, like the the Smurf district. Or all lean Sanders for for two reasons. This is a this is a, this is close though, but I'm gonna try and make it seem like it's not close because I have to <laughs> give a definitive answer. So the reason I would take Sanders is that Sanders, I'm just much more confident that he will continue to be the lead back this year, no matter what outside of him getting injured. Whereas like when Damian Harris returns, we know that he's going to have a substantial role right now. At this point, every single week, Sanders has significantly more carries than anybody else on the team and is running significantly more routes. It's not like last year where Gainwell and Boston Scott are chipping in with these massive roles. So let me say, I had it up a second ago. It's actually pretty crazy. So Sanders is running 18 routes a game. Gainwell's at 10. Boston Scott is at six. So he's, he's running more routes than the two of them combined. And I think that's what I really like to see because you know that he's going to get the goal line work. You, I think also all else equal, we would just rather have the Eagles offense, right? I know we're going to talk about them more in a little bit, but I just have so much more confidence there. So even though it's close, I, I think I would definitely go Sanders. I'm probably Sanders, but you could twist my arm into, into Stevenson, uh, J.D., I mean, I think like Sanders is a is a back end RB one, and I I would have Stevenson like a high end RB two, um, and I think that there's a chance that he he took a little bit more work away from Harris just based on his fine play and be, being like the focal point of the offense, where he could be really really borderline RB one. Well, where are you at, Dan, on on Sanders Stevenson? I've spent enough time with Bill Belichick, uh, virtually, of course, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that I am absolutely going Sanders here. I mean, he, he, this, the second you start getting comfortable with a Belichick running back is the second that he goes and stabs you in the back. Um, and it, everything that Josh said about Sanders is absolutely true. So uh, I, I'd lean that way. Do, do you – Sorry, sorry. I know. Sorry, we both have a follow up really quick. And maybe you can answer before you ask your question. Dynasty, would you sell Stevenson after an RB2 week like he just had? Well, no, I I would keep Stevenson. Okay. Yeah. I I think just because Harris is a free agent after this season. And Harris is actually really good. PFF's always liked him. He's always had a high yards per carry. And I think him leaving will be very big for Stevenson since I think it's unlikely whoever comes in after. Damian Harris is as, is as good as Damian Harris. That was my Stevenson to turn into Corey. Was that your follow-up? No, my follow-up was, <laughs> I was actually going to get all of your opinions on this. I had a dynasty league where the team was a rebuild. I have all these picks and I happen to have Stevenson and I start the year out like two and three, you know, with not a whole lot. Um, and I put, I put Stevenson on the trade block. So look, guys, you know, Harris is, Harris is out. No one sends me any offers. Last week, I tried to sell him off, and nobody's sending me any offers. And now my team is 3-3, three and three, and I'm thinking I might just 
you know, if nobody wants right. to pay me for Stevenson, they're going to force me to, to try to win games this year. And I'm going to have to compete with them, you know, on the, uh, for waivers and all that. Uh, but that's, a, I think it's a good question is he might be extremely underrated as a dynasty asset right now. Josh points out that Damian Harris is a free agent. Stevenson is seeing this kind of usage we haven't seen for a Bill Belichick running back in, in ages. Like, Dan, do you think he's the kind of guy that you would consider trading a random 2023-1 for if you're a contender? Yeah, if I think I'm going to be trading a low 2023 first, I would do it. Um, if I think I'm going to be trading something mid to high, I'd rather hang on to that pick. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're hoping that he turns into Corey Dillon is what we're hoping for. Uh, and I, I think there's a non-zero chance that does happen next year. I, I'd wait till Harris is coming back to go buy him, though, Stevenson. I yeah. think, but I think you also don't necessarily bank the these elite weeks. Oh, you know, I see what you're saying. So, That's very valid. Very I don't know. Valid if, like, I think if you send out a random 2023-1 for Stevenson, you're getting him. It's. I think it's. You're. You're. I think. Most but he, people are but he, he could even be. He could even be a, become a target for like a rebuild or someone looking into next year if you can get him when Harris comes back, right? If you need him for this year, totally agree. Like I, I would go buy him now, but. It's super. He's a super interesting guy for for dynasty purposes. Um, it was just weird to have a guy producing like that at the running back position, and I get no <laughs> offers for him. Josh, the the chat is loving your new haircut. By the way, they they've got your girlfriend involved. They they want to know who 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 is giving you advice on that one. Who's the counsel on that one? Oh, this was I went to Sport Clips. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a girl. I had a long term girlfriend who would cut my hair. We broke up over the summer. Had to find a new place to get the haircut. Sport Clips. It was the the cheapest place I could find. That's awesome. That uh, was willing to cut my hair. We had a good conversation. She goes, "Do you mind if there's football on the screen?" Do you, do you watch football? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no!" Tell, I was like, "No, tell me about football. What's going on right now?" So That's she, as she cut my hair, she was educating me on the Cowboys and the Dak Prescott situation a few weeks ago. So that is uh, awesome. really, really, really good conversation. I learned a lot about uh dak got some hot takes out of the the hairstylist and a good haircut too that's nice. awesome like e even even the non-football related <laughs> answers are awesome that's that's why we love josh well that's a, that's a good segue for the next question the the cowboys just lost to the philadelphia eagles uh this this past sunday night fun game the eagles just look unstoppable the offense is a machine Jalen Hurts, a top three quarterback. He's supporting a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, a top three tight end, and a running back one. They now have their bye week. Can Philly sustain this sort of offensive production? And does anyone jump out to you as a regression candidate among these Eagles uh, mega producers? So a few things. So one, if I had to choose, I would say that – where these guys are currently in fantasy that by the end of the season, they would be lower. I think that's just kind of natural since we don't usually see an offense like this. However, let me provide a few stats that give optimism that this could continue at a similar, if not even better pace. So I think we'd all agree the Eagles are one of the best offenses in the NFL. They are seventh this year, just seventh in percent of drives ending in a score at 41 and a half percent. That doesn't sound so crazy to be seventh yards per play. They are 12th. That does not sound particularly crazy either. They have a soft schedule. They know that they can lock up that first round by. They're going to want to score a lot of points against their opponents. 
So if all I saw was if I guess like if all you told me was, hey, do you think the Eagles are going to finish seventh or better in percent of drives ending in a score by the end of the season? I would say yes. And say, do you think they would finish at least top twelve in yards per play? I would also say yes. So I think history would say that these guys are going to regress a little bit. I think those stats point to maybe we are just seeing a very, very good offense. It is a very uniquely efficient offense. And I would also say that fantasy scoring is just slightly down across the league. So, yes, it is a a top three quarterback, a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, an RB one, a top five tight end. But if you look at raw fantasy points, outside of Jalen Hurts, these guys don't actually have crazy raw fantasy point numbers. I am going to go with it remains mostly the same rest of season. Did you did you guys see the schedule? Pittsburgh after the bye, Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, Indy and Green Bay, Tennessee, Giants. You know, week 15 you're at the Bears, so yeah, pretty nice pretty nice schedule coming up after the bye. It's pretty nice. For an, for an offense that's already rolling, you know. We we just need to hope that they don't uh, wrap up the you know, the whole conference and too uh, soon. The number one seed too soon. Good point. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I think Josh is, he's really put his finger on it though, that, you know, that I kind of expect their numbers to be the same, but relative to the rest of the league, I expect that the rest of the offenses are going to start hitting a little bit better. Uh, you know, so we may see some players pass them, you know, like, uh, you know, if, uh, you, you know, AJ Brown is wide receiver 10 or whatever he is, uh, you know, he, he could end up wide receiver 12 or 13 and still be scoring the same number of points per week uh, just because some other players have passed him. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think they're going to do really well. What do you think, J.D.? Oh, I was going to put this up for Theo. <laughs> this one right here. The hot potato toss. Yeah. I mean, save, how, it, how, save, how, it, save it. Save it. Save it. Stay dropping the heat in the chat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I don't have anything to add, man. I, I I think Philly is 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 rolling. They've got a nice schedule. I don't see it slowing down. Um, yeah, Deal. yeah, they're 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 a machine, and the offensive line I think really separates them. I mean, I think that there's like we've we've seen the big spike weeks out of their their main skill position players, and there's depth behind them too, like. You know, there's the guys we want, maybe we want to start considering stashing, you know, a Kenneth Gainwell or, or a Scott. Um, you know, there's there's potential to be had there if there was, like Dan said, guys potentially, they're going to win so many games that they can afford to sit a guy here and there and not risk injuries. Uh, so their backups might become, you know, somewhat intriguing if they keep this pace up. Uh, we're, we're, our next question, you know, we could throw that one back up there, J.D., uh, famous Jay in the chat. Brees Hall is going to be running back one for the rest of the season. League winner. I love it. Uh, that was actually the question we had here was Brees Hall is currently running back six. Um, is he the dynasty running back one overall for you right now, Josh? And also, is he the league winner in redraft? Potentially. I think he has to be the dynasty RB1. He's young. He catches passes. This Jets offense will either be this good or better, most likely, for the rest of his career. I I don't really know what more you need to see if you're not putting Brees Hall as your dynasty RB1. I haven't fully checked the numbers to see where he ranks overall, but pulling from uh, a little write-up that I had for my Week 6 rankings last week, in my expected fantasy points model, Brees Hall, is I, I would expect him 
uh, going into week six to have 16 fantasy points per game, which would be RB10. The crazy part about that is that he wasn't even the starter until week four. So he was basically the starter in two of those five games and is still the RB10 in expected fantasy points. It's because he has an outrageous role on the ground. He has an outrageous role through the air. And then on top of that, what the model doesn't know is that the guy runs a sub 4-4. I, I think he's just a fantasy cheat code at this point where I do believe this offense will get better as the season goes along and as Zach Wilson gets more comfortable. So I, I think what we're seeing right now where he's kind of like a, a top five, top seven running back each week, he could be the RB1 rest of season. And that really wouldn't surprise me given his situation. And given that teams really just cannot fully key in on the run because the Elijah, I, I know he's been annoying for fantasy, but like Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, that is a trio that you cannot just phone it in. You have to guard all three of those. You have to have a conservative defensive game plan. And I think that's really just going to open things up for Brees Hall. So Dynasty RB1, yes to the potential league winner rest of season. He's been a, a top 10 running back for me in my rankings the last three weeks. I don't know what more we need to see. I think he's basically knocking on the door as a top five weekly option. So I am very much all in on Brees Hall. Dan, are you Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall right now if you had to pick one for your for Dynasty? I think it's real close. Um, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of people like to knock Brees for the offense that he's on. Um, but is it really that much better for Jonathan Taylor? Uh, Brees Hall is healthy right now. Jonathan Taylor is not. Um, and that definitely weighs in. Uh, you know, my only, my only complaint about what Josh said is that um, – I don't know that defenses really need to defend all three of those wide receivers for uh, the Jets. They can just let uh, Zach Wilson defend them instead. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry, I had to get the zinger in. I missed it, Dan. I missed it. I'm off with the with the air horn. <laughs> it was air horn worthy. Yeah, that, that air horn would have been, it would have put it over the top. Um, I know. I was like a trying like to mess a, with something. Um. Brees, Brees Hall, I think, has already displayed the elite receiving upside that we just don't see with Taylor, I think would be the right. argument uh, for taking him. And it would be kind of interesting to hear all of our takes on if we had a dynasty rookie draft startup this week, are you going to take Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, or are you going to go with Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson? I think that becomes a question too because – a lot of the running backs who are scoring points are, you know, past the age apex. And we see, you know, this unbelievable talent, you know, come into the league and display this sort of receiving ability. And then you factor in the fact that we have these two unbelievably talented young wide receivers. Dynasty startup today, who are you taking, JD? FFPC. We'll go FFPC scoring. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going JJ just because the way I like to build my rosters. I, I like having a guy like Hall. Um, I, I, I think I have one share in Dynasty, and it was just I couldn't trade the 101. It's like a rental mode type of situation. And I made a trade CMC for like uh, Amon Ron St. Brown and, and someone else that's been popping. So now it's like my team's a contender all of a sudden because I got Brees Hall crushing it. Um, so if you got him, you're, you're lucky, especially in Dynasty. He's You look at his age, he's 21 and a half or, or not even. Everyone else is like late 23s, late 23s, like they're super old, but you know what I mean? Like back in a 23. So if, if you're an ageist, like I think most of us are when it comes especially to the running back position, 
Reese Hall's a no-brainer. I still like JJ. JJ's my, you know, he's my 101 uh, going into the season. I've been saying that since last offseason. Dan, I don't know, are you still on the Minnesota receiver or are you going Brees Hall? Yeah, I'm still on JJ. Uh, pretty much the same as you. I, I prefer to stumble into my RB1s rather than actually go out and pay for them because uh, I think it's a lot easier to do that at running back than as a wide receiver. So, and and yeah. Hall is the perfect example of that, right? <laughs> this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you weren't stumbling into him this past year. I mean, you know, if you if you got him, you probably had to use a one-on-one to, to, to get him with. But, Re, I, I'm just talking like redraft, like if we're right. doing redrafts or FFPC stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. But, um, you know, that's... That's something where, you know, if you get your if you get your wide receivers in order, you got your you know, then you can start worrying about your running backs. Um, I want my wide receivers and tight ends in order, quarterback in order, and then running backs last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I also would, like oh go for it. Theo. No, go ahead, Josh. I was just gonna say I I agree with you guys on Jefferson, um, but Hall would definitely be in my top you know, three or four at this point. Oh yeah. 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 Josh, yeah. He's for sure the RB one uh, at this point, I think. Yeah, I would still go Jefferson and Chase over Hall. And I think it's partly because if we look at the landscape of the positions and what the league is doing, it's becoming more of a pass-heavy league. There's more running back committees. It wouldn't surprise me if three years from now, two years from now, Hall is in some type of committee with a running back better than Michael Carter. That, That really wouldn't shock me. Would it shock me if Justin Jefferson was getting six targets a game because they were saving him? Yes. I don't think there's any world where something like that happens. So I think just the the way that the game is being played, the receiver position is safer. I think the ceiling is now just as high as the running back position, whereas it used to be like the the elite running backs, just the, the receivers couldn't catch up to them. It's not We don't really see that anymore, where the, the best receivers now score like what the running backs used to score. So I think you just have more of the safety. And also what we're seeing with Jonathan Taylor right now, people are getting a little nervous. He's almost 24. He had an ankle sprain. The offense this year does not look very good. The O-line does not look very good. He is just hemorrhaging value. Jamar Chase, a little bit of shaky start to the year. No change in value whatsoever. No one's panic selling Chase right now. And I think that's one of the differences is that you're just going to get a longer career out of the receiver. You get this similar ceiling, much less injury risk. It just seems like they're you're basically just taking on so much by taking a Brees Hall over like the Jefferson Chase. Two other rookie running backs that are really set to, you know, put their stamp on this season uh, and have our and in one case is already crushing it um, is Damian Pierce and Ken Walker. Uh, both of those guys look excellent. You know, last week we saw finally Ken Walker in a, in a full share gave us 19 PPR points. Damian Pierce is currently an RB one. What are your thoughts on those two rest of the season? So I kind of want to see what you guys think of this take. Because it sounds contradictory, but I don't think it is. Right now, each week, I am going to rank Damian Pierce ahead of Kenneth Walker. I think it makes sense. They're going to get a similar amount of carries. Damian Pierce is more active in the receiving game. So on a single week basis, I prefer Pierce. Rest of season, I prefer Kenneth Walker. A couple of reasons. One of them, I just like the, the Seattle offense better. I have more faith in Geno Smith, which sounds crazy, than I do Davis Mills. On top of that, I also like that Walker has better draft capital. I don't think there's any way Walker's getting replaced. It's not like I think Pierce is getting replaced, but we just don't know with these fourth-round rookies. And then on top of that, 
Kenneth Walker was a total workhorse his final year of college. He had a crazy amount of touches per game and showed that he can hold up to that type of volume. Damian Pierce is completely untested. He had 60 total yards per game as a senior, by far his highest mark in college. He was never more than like a 7 to 10 touch per game running back in college. I would like to see him do it for an entire season first. Kenneth Walker has already shown he can do it. So that's why it's kind of contradictory. Game by game, probably leading Pierce. But rest of season overall, when I evaluate the situations, I give the edge to Walker. I like that. I like that take a lot. Um, and I think that's an interesting way of, of explaining it. Dan, anything further to add with, with Ken Walker? I know we are finally getting to enjoy uh, Ken Walker season with one of our shared main event teams. Yeah, for sure. And I've got him in a few other places too. So it's, uh, it's been really nice. Um, Walker was one of my, my top five owned running backs and in, uh, in redraft. So I was happy to have that going on. And uh, yeah, I, I think Josh explained it about as perfectly as can be. So I think we'll just leave it right there. Also, I checked my rankings because I thought it was this way. This is probably going to be the only week I have Walker out of Pierce. I have Walker 14, Pierce 15. But it is because Walker gets the Chargers, who are just an absolute sieve against running backs. And Pierce gets the Raiders, which is fine. So because the nuts matchup is going to Walker this week, and I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in that game, Walker, this is probably the one week, if their usage stays the same, that Walker would be above Pierce. Sorry, Theo. I was just going to do a little uh, question from the chat. We got Ruckus uh, wants us to pick a side. JJ, J Rob, or Barkley Olave. I'm is guessing. Dynasty, is yeah, I'm guessing Dynasty. Redraft. Maybe let us know. No, this Rockets. is redraft. So he asked me this question earlier. Oh, did he? Today. Okay. Okay. It's Perfect. a redraft question. Post in the chat if I'm wrong, but I'm 99.9% so sure. So rest of this season is, is what he's saying. I oh, see yeah. Oh, 12 man redraft. Yeah. In the chat. So it's, for me, it's, it's, do you want the top three wide receiver? Or do you want the potential running back one with a, like, let's call Chris Olave wide receiver 18? I would hate, hate, hate to move on. I don't factor James Robinson in this trade because, mm-hmm. to me, he's a flex at this point, at if best, and I think ETN's taking it over. So it comes down to I might take the Barkley and Olave side, and I hate, hate, hate the idea of trading Justin Jefferson, but that's a very nice very nice package. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair way to put it. Um, you know, it would probably depend for me whether I need more help at running back or wide receiver as to which side I would take. Uh, but, yeah, Olave is just so much more than James Robinson, um, who I think, in fairness, can probably be a flex the rest of the year um, as long as he's healthy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have, my teams are all po- so powerful that, uh, James Robinson would sit on my bench every week, uh, because I just know <laughs> it's not true. And, you know, we've got five weeks coming up, everything else. So, uh, I think he would find his way into my lineup a few times, but yeah. I got a couple teams. I'd love to have some J Rob as an option this week. It's going <laughs> to yeah. get a little, little oh, yeah. it's, it's a little brutal in some places for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theo, before you get to the next one, real quick, guys, Theo dropped his OG live wire today. Make sure you go check it out. Get all your waiver wire uh, info, tips, 
approach uh what is it today tuesday so tomorrow night wednesday on the ffpc and wherever whenever you're doing your waivers make sure you check that out before and we had vlad Sedler on last night uh, uh theo with um with the two of us on our monday night tailgate that thing was loaded for 45 minutes with with goatness so guys make sure you go check out those shows yeah vlad was a lot of fun that was a really really good one um moving on here we had a very some very sad news for fantasy was the hollywood brown injury he was on pace for 122 receptions he's a top six wide receiver it's gone about as as well as as even a bullish argument for him would have gone uh, and now he's going to miss probably up until week 14 unless we get some kind of really positive news how do you expect the arizona offense to kind of shake out and is DeAndre Hopkins now a potential league winner? Yeah, this one is really tough for me. Uh, I had a, a Dynamo football guys tournament team on FFPC where I started off with Diggs, Swift, Evans, Waddle, and then Marquise Brown in the fifth. And even with the Swift injury, this team is just absolutely stacked. It is very high ranking. It is not a... Oh, no, it is a – oh, I surprised myself. You know what? It is a DeAndre Hopkins team. I can't fully pour one out for this team. But anyway, I have so much Marquise Brown. I loved that he was one of five players to have 25% or higher target share each of the past two seasons. So I figured if he's getting a general offense quarterback upgrade, great guy to target in the fourth and fifth round. In terms of what we do now with DeAndre Hopkins and the, the rest of the Cardinals – I think the probably the, the safest guy would be DeAndre Hopkins, as crazy as that is. I know he started to show some signs of decline. However, if we just look at the state of this team, I don't think there's any real chance that Zach Ertz can take any type of steps forward. He's kind of at a ceiling right now. Rondell Moore, yes, the targets have been great. They've been in an ADOT of two, three yards per game. That is clearly a limited player. DeAndre Hopkins is the complete player. He is who we want to target. Robbie Anderson is switching teams, and he has been more of a very inconsistent deep threat who commands just enough targets to be relevant. Hopkins is really the only guy that can stand out in this offense. And what I like is he's been healthy this whole time. It's not like he's coming back from injury. He should be a 100% go starting this week. So, yes, I think he is a potential league winner. I think he's probably a wide receiver one type the rest of the season. And I think there's, there's yes, there is a chance there's some real decline due to his age being 30. But he was also going through some nagging injuries last year, and that could have been partly responsible for the target share decrease. He also had a significantly higher average depth of target in 2021 than he did his first year in Arizona in 2020. I think the ADOT drops back down now because they have Robbie Anderson. And it's clear, like, when they had Marquise Brown, like, they, they want someone that's going to be more of that field stretcher. That should never be Hopkins' role. So I, I'm very, very bullish at this point on Hopkins. I think you can you can rank him as a top 15 wide receiver rest of season based on the, the situation and his just track record of work. Yeah, no, never, I, never underestimate the, the odds of uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, um, doing something crazy and you know like uh it was what was it two years ago we saw Robbie Anderson as a shell option and uh DJ Moore as a deep option in Carolina uh, but I even that seems like a stretch for Cliff so I I think that they have to use Hopkins 
the way that he's used best. And if, you know, like you said, as long as, uh, you know, there's not something going on that we don't know about, uh, you know, age-related or just, you know, some, some sort of injury that he's never recovered from, I think Hopkins has got to be a league winner. And I think he jumps to maybe – I would have had him somewhere in like the round 20, 22% target share. I think now you can safely put him, you know, in that like 25 to 27% target share. It's going to be a very reliable guy week to week. So we all like Hopkins. What's your take on Rondell Moore? Because he, in my opinion, gains a little bit of value here, not only with the injury to Hollywood – but the addition of Anderson on the outside, and now you get DeAndre Hopkins coming back to play the outside. I mean, Rondell Moore should just live in the slot, shouldn't he? Yeah, I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks from Rondell Moore is kind of what you can expect, where you're probably getting eight-ish targets, 50 to 80 yards a week. He's going to do it mostly after the catch. Probably pretty minimal touchdown upside just because of how he's going to be used when they get close to the goal line. But, I mean, that's still a, a receiver that you can start each week in the in, – half PPR and especially in PPR leagues since I, I think it is kind of best case scenario where Robbie Anderson is going to be on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins will obviously be on the outside and that leaves Rondo Moore in the slot, which is where he should be. So I think his role is actually quite safe here. I just don't necessarily think that there's uh, any type of crazy ceiling for him because last year he was pigeonholed into this very shallow role. And this year he's right back in that exact same role. He's also 5'7". I think they kind of know exactly how they want to use him. And Theo, they're they're going to welcome Hopkins and, and Robbie because if you look at Arizona right now, they're number two in pass attempts, but they're in the bottom half with, with regards to like points scored per game. Uh, I think they're 22nd. And then even passing yards, they're like 16th in the league. So you got to think both of those will get them up when they add these two receivers to this offense. Um, I mean, I know Brown was there, but getting these two weapons, I think, on the outside, like Larky's talking about, I think will help them kind of achieve uh, more efficiency with those pass attempts. And Rondell Moore is like seven years younger than any receiver that's going to be around him, too. It's kind of interesting. You have all these 30-year-olds, and then you've got the 4-3 speed uh, slot guy. So I'll take a little bit of a bullish angle with the very young, very explosive slot receiver. Um you know, and if if Josh is off by a target or two a game, then you're talking about ten targets a game for Rondell Moore. Um, but I do think eight eight would be nice. We're not complaining about that either. The Giants have been one of the better storylines of the season, but outside of Saquon Barkley, there's been little to no fantasy success. What are your opinions now on Wandell Robinson and also Daniel Bellinger? There are two rookies that look to be uh, seeing an increase, a growing increased role as we move along here. So I've actually written about both of them recently. I have some thoughts. Daniel Bellinger. What I like about Daniel Bellinger is that tight end, as it usually is, is a total wasteland. He crossed the 80% route threshold this past week. He was at around 55% in week five. He was around 85% in week six. And... Uh, Essentially, what that means is that he's running a route on a higher percent of dropbacks than probably all but like six, seven tight ends in the entire NFL at this point. Obviously, he is not a top six tight end right now because it's Daniel Jones. It's this Giants offense. It is not the most pass-heavy attack in the league. But I think that that's just a very positive development. He's an incredibly athletic rookie. And what I like is that his role will either stay the same or increase 
it's pretty rare to see a rookie in general get this type of role and then have it retracted if they keep playing well. So I think that's really nice. And then with Wandale, he only ran a route on about 33% of dropbacks this past week. However, he had, uh, I think it was four targets and he caught three of them. Or was it five targets? He caught four? Four, four and three. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he had four targets. He caught three of them. One was in the red zone. He converted it to a touchdown. That is what we like to see. That is why I was excited about Alec Pierce a few weeks ago. Alec Pierce was running very few routes. but He, was, he had a high targets per route run. And what happens when you're a rookie with second round draft capital and you start to prove yourself? Generally, you get on the field more. So just like how Bellinger's role will only increase or stay the same, I think Wandale's at this point just has to increase. There's no way he's getting 33% of the routes. And I was, as many people were, so, so bullish on Kadarius Tony over the summer because I loved the idea that there was nobody else there and someone was going to be getting 10 targets a game out of the slot with yards after the catch ability. And it looks like I, I liked Wandale too. I just thought it would be Tony. Drafted them both. It looks like, you know what? RIP to the Tony shares, but hello to the Wandale shares. The, the runway is really cleared for him to be getting 8 to 12 targets pretty much every week once he becomes a full-time player. There's nobody there. Kenny Galladay, bust. Sterling Shepard, out for the season. Kadarius Tony cannot stay healthy, and even when he's healthy for two days, he frustrates a coach, and then he gets re-injured. There's, there's just nothing there. What is it? David Sills, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, like, especially because they look good enough to sneak into the playoffs, they're going to have to rely on Wandale Robinson. And who, who drafted both these guys, Theo? Dable, right? He's going he's gonna to play his guys. They're producing. Uh, I, I love Bellinger as a, I don't know what you guys think, but as like a pivot. If you're making a move and you want to sell one of your big name tight ends and get yourself a tight end that can produce and a pick on top or something else on top to help your depth, I think Bellinger is a nice pivot piece right now at the tight end position because, yeah, he's, he's in there, man. And he, he, it looks like he'll be able to, to keep the, the role and grow with it. Yeah, he scored touchdowns back-to-back weeks, and and uh, like Josh said, he's on the field the entire time. So, a lot to like about Bellinger, and I'm I'm very bullish on Wandell. And I also think we had the preseason narrative that they're going to have these manufactured uh, running attempts for uh, for Wandell, and they're going to line him up in the backfield. So that we had still haven't seen yet. You know, I, I would expect that we'll start to see that over the next few weeks as little wrinkles. But Wandell sure looks like he's got a, a big opportunity, and it's just a matter of time before he gets a double-digit target game. We got a question from uh, Rob Fisher, guys, since we're on tight ends. Tanyan, Fryer, Muth, Bellinger, Ingram, rank them going forward rest of season. All right, I'll, I'll jump in. Oh, Dan will go, tight end whisper. Yeah, just to, just to throw something out there. Um, Call me crazy, but I think uh, Tanyan might be first on this list. Um, depending on how much you want to put behind Friermuth's concussion issues, he's had three in the past two years. Uh, Bellinger could be second, or he could be third after Friermuth. Ingram fourth, just because that, that offense is not getting enough targets out to him um, on a consistent basis. And I think Bellinger is probably going to be, you know, just due to the factors we were talking about, I think he's going to be targeted a little bit more. So I'd, I'd go, personally, I'd go Tanyan, Bellinger, Friermuth, just a whisker behind, and then Ingram. Josh? 
I'd have it the same, except I think uh, Tunyon and Bellinger, I would put them neck and neck. Okay. I think you could kind of go either way where I, I think they both have interesting upside cases. Bellinger is the rookie who doesn't have a lot of target competition. Randall Cobb <laughs> just became out for, what, four to six weeks? So I, I think that there's real potential for Tunyon coming off his 12-target game when it's yeah. just him, Lazard, and Dubs. So I, I think those two both have the best upside cases. I think Fryermuth is just kind of stuck. There, There's just too many good options for the Steelers. I don't think Deontay is going anywhere. I don't think Pickens is going anywhere. Even like even if Claypool gets traded, since there are some rumors, okay, you still have Deontay, you still have Pickens, and it's still a bad offense. So I think with Fryermuth, I don't see the upside case very easily. And then Ingram, I think you really, there's just no upside case at this point, so... That's why Bellinger and Tunyon, I think there there's a couple factors that could really tilt in one one of the other's favor. And I'll give a, a shout out to our own JD, who wants to wanted to talk about Robert Tunyon to literally anyone this summer. That was his guy. And it became kind of a a, a little bit of a joke, like, hey JD, you're gonna get in a, a Tunyon question tonight. And JD absolutely crushed it with this one. I wish I had a lot more Tunyon, and I certainly didn't see this sort of you know, target numbers for him. We had a, you know, he was uh, top, what was he, tight end three a couple years ago or tight end four, but it was all touchdowns. This is like Rodgers is willing to target him um, at a higher rate, and, I, I mean, he looks like he's going to be a smash. I'll go Tunyon one. I still have hope for Fryermuth. Uh, I'll go Fryermuth two, Bellinger three, and then and then Engram four. Go for it, JD. I, I, I'm, play, I'm playing my my uh, gladiator, man. Are you not entertained? I mean, hey, th- I, I it was it, for me. This was simple. Like you know, my my. Sometimes I keep it simple, stupid, right? Narrow target tree. We talk about it often. I didn't see anyone else in 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 Green Bay that Rogers would trust, especially right away. He had the history with Tanya, and Tanya's coming back from injury. I liked what I saw a couple years ago. It just it just made sense. So I'm glad that he is popping. He's a top ten tight end right now. Um, and I, I only see that growing as as the season goes. I mean, this offense doesn't have much, so it's going to be the, the running backs and you know, and they're the the tight end. Josh Jacobs is having the best season of his career. He's currently RB eight. He's averaging sixteen points per game. He's just crushing it. Can he keep yeah. up this torrid start to the season, Larky? I think if he stays healthy, yes. So I'll I'll, I'll refer to my expected fantasy points model again. I, I am ex- expecting him to score just over 18 fantasy points a game. 18.3. For context, Leonard Fournette is at 18.6. Christian McCaffrey's at 16.6. Joe Mixon at 17. This is about as, as elite as it gets. Saquon Barkley's in first in my model at 19. So 18.3. He is nearly the best usage running back in the entire NFL. So you can dock him a little bit if you're like, oh, he's slow. Maybe you dock him because you don't love the Raiders quite as much as some other offenses but at the end of the day he's playing really really well and i don't really know why they would decrease his role they declined his fifth year option they are absolutely desperate for wins each and every week why would they not absolutely ride josh jacobs going forward so i think at this point the the big concern is just injury with this outrageous workload by far the biggest of his career was never a very high usage back in college has been a moderate workhorse in the nfl and it's just a total bell cow now. So I think any week that he is healthy, he is, is a top six, top seven option. I have him as my RB5 
for this week in a nice matchup against Houston. And I, I really think it's just injury at this point. Why would they decrease his workload? Dan and JD, anything to add on, on Josh Jacobs? I know we've, we've spoken about him over the last couple of weeks. Um, we all wish we had a little bit more of him. Um, but do you think he keeps it up, especially coming out of the bye? Yeah, I, th- I think he does. Sorry, Dan, I'll go real quick. I think he does because if you look at the, the two defenses that he put up points against, they're, they're, they're not bad against the, the, the run. Um, so, and he's, he's got to be a big part of that offense. But I was just going to throw in, as before you threw it to Larky, like you knew that Jacobs was going to hit because all of Fantasyland was just poo-pooing him all offseason. So you knew that Jacobs, you know, out of that kind of range of RBs was going to be the one to hit because everyone was so low on him. And look at him now. He's he's really nice value. Dan, what do you think? I am definitely looking forward to, uh, in 2023, finding another way to galaxy rain myself out of taking Josh Jacobs yet again. Because every year I manage to galaxy brain my way out of it. And every year he ends up exceeding my expectations. So this is nothing new. Uh, he does it all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to have a big giant note on my computer that just says, draft Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, so so I at least take him a couple times. Uh, I'll I'll ignore that mo- note most of the time, but uh, yeah, he's he's in a perfect situation right now, as Josh said, and uh, yeah, I, I think the good times are going to keep going. It's that Shout 2019 RB gonna... class. Jacobs <laughs> and Sanders. I I no, really no did not want to draft any of them. I was selling them in Dynasty, and now this class right. is looking real really nice. Shout out to Wheeler with the the Sanders and uh, and Jacobs. His regrets on that one. You could just you could have just picked like all boring guys, yeah. You know, go go draft a couple of um, studs in the first you know couple of rounds, and then just go straight boring chalk with Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Josh Jacobs, and Miles Sanders, and, and you'd just be rolling, crushing simple, life right now. Simple yeah. game, simple game. Yeah, yeah. Jo- take Josh <laughs> Allen as the first QB off the board. That guy, <laughs> and then just Wrong take all those guys. Simple game, yeah. simple game. Yeah. Um, wide receiver, wide receiver, Allen. And then in the running back dead zone, just scoop up Jacob Sanders, then Ramondre a round or two later. Right. Easy as it gets. Easy as it gets. Um, Seattle and Detroit both had lower scoring games in their last the last time we saw them play. Seattle, of course, did it in in victory, uh, big win over Arizona. Uh, Detroit got crushed against New England. What are your fantasy expectations for both of these offenses moving forward? Kind of two offenses that clearly exceeded expectations in terms of points per game and, and fantasy production in the early season. How do you see them uh, as we move forward along? So I think what's one thing in both these teams favor, their defenses are atrocious. I, I would say these are probably two of the five worst defenses in the NFL. You could convince me they are two of the bottom three. That really helps both of these teams. I think I would be slightly more confident in Detroit Jared Goff's a little bit more of a known quantity or commodity. Their offensive line is just absolutely killer. It's going to be really unlikely that they ever have a week where they're bullied in the trenches. And that kind of raises the offensive floor most of these weeks. And they're, they're just so deep at the skill positions where we saw like, even when like Amon Ra or Chark is out, Reynolds can step up. Khalif Raymond's not half bad. There's really not much behind Metcalf and Lockett. The offensive line is not as good in Seattle. So I would give a slight edge for these reasons to Detroit. Detroit also has just, there's no reason that Dan Campbell's going to change his strategy. This team's not going to make the playoffs. They're very aggressive. They're very fun. They're very fantasy friendly. 
I think there's ways where you could see Pete Carroll resorting to the medieval play caller that he has generally been throughout his career. But I still think both of these teams are going to be above average fantasy producers overall because of the defenses. And uh, both these quarterbacks look good. Goff has always looked good when he's got a great offensive line. And Geno Smith's leading the NFL in completion percentage and has like uh, several highlight throws at this point that look like Patrick Mahomes. Well, like if you kind of like imposed Patrick Mahomes on him and you see some of these crazy like running sidearm throws and you're like, wow, Geno Smith, we knew he was athletic. The arm doesn't look half bad. So I would say both offenses regress very slightly, a little bit more Seattle than Detroit due to the O-line and the lack of depth. Does it surprise you guys that Seattle's 25th in rush attempts right now? You think of them as more like a running running team, right? No? I mean, they, of course, right when Russ leaves, they decide. You got to let Gino cook. You got to let Gino cook. Let Gino cook. We got to get a T-shirt. That's a good one. I like that. I uh, wanted to kind of galaxy brain it here, guys. But just oh, one, one more thought on Seattle before we leave that subject. Uh, the one thing I do like about Seattle is that narrow usage tree, uh, you know, which even if they regress some, you know, they're, they're basically feeding the ball to about three players uh, plus, you know, their, their trio of tight ends. Uh, you know, so it's, it's basically Metcalf, Lockett, Walker, and then the three tight ends. So, uh, I, I, I kind of enjoy that aspect. Um, and, you know, whereas with Detroit, you're, you're always kind of wondering a little bit who's going to get the ball this week. Yeah. I wanted to galaxy brain around the horn. We have uh, the trade deadline coming up on November 11th. I'm going to say a player, everybody says their ideal uh, landing spot. We'll, we'll start out with Chase Claypool. Start with Dan. Um, let's, let's put Claypool, it'll never happen because this is a interdivision trade, but let's put him in Baltimore, please. Larky. I don't, I don't hate that actually. I like that too. Uh, I'm a Chargers homer. I would put him on the Chargers. They have no speed. Yeah. And I I think that would just be really fun to have him and Mike Williams on the outside with Keenan Allen in the slot. I know people are like, Oh, like the overlapping skill set of Mike Williams. It's like, well, not really. Yeah. They're kind of clashers, but. Chase Claypool is the guy that runs like a 4-3-8. Williams and Allen are some of the slowest receivers in the NFL. I think it would just give him a nice little element that it's he's basically Jalen Guyton, but really, really, really good. And we know that Herbert's got the arm. I like the Jalen Guyton, but really, really, really good. Uh, you know, that's the first time anybody in the in fantasy football has ever put Jalen Guyton and, and uh, Chase Claypool in the same sentence. It's, it was amazing, quick stuff. Uh, I'll go Green Bay. I'd like God. to see Chase Claypool end up in Green Bay, and I want to say it before JD could say it. So I, <laughs> see, you, I, I had the line too. I was going to say the, the there's there's and then we just jumped. I, I was going to say there's only one quarterback that's wearing the Canadian tuxedo in the NFL, and 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 it's rocked it, and that's Rogers. If you guys remember a few years ago with the with the denim uh, outfit he had on, so I, I was going to pick Green Bay too. I think Claypool there would add a little fun to maybe what is a boring offense right now. You could say he's Christian Christian Watson, but really really good. We there you go. DJ Moore, start with JD on this one. Ooh, I I would actually like to see DJ Moore in San Diego or San Diego in uh, with the Chargers. Opposite opposite Mike Williams. I don't know. I've already I've already considered Allen uh, out the door, but I mean the three of them would just rock. Josh, same division. I want Kansas City for this one. 
they're, they're still they still just need someone along with Kelsey. Juju had his first really good game of the season, but he's been really inconsistent. He still only had, I think, five targets this past week in his big game. DJ Moore is kind of what I wanted Sky Moore to be. It just seemed like it. this offense has a hole outside of Kelsey for someone to emerge. And DJ Moore, I think, would just absolutely smash in that offense. Are you are you out on Sky Moore rest of the season for this year just because Dan and I were having this conversation? Uh, so I'm still in on him. I think he's someone where if you're four and two or better, or if you play in a deep league, then he's the perfect bench stash. Stash, yeah. Just because he's had three or more targets each of the past three games. The the route share has ticked up slightly. Marquez Valdez-Scaling is clearly not the answer. Juju has been fine. It's really just Kelsey. So I, I think that really opens the door up where there's multiple paths, an MVS injury, a Kelsey injury, a Juju injury. I think there's just a lot of different ways where Skymore could find himself in a very elevated role outside of just him playing well and earning that as a rookie, which I think he could also do. Dan, uh, save DJ Moore's uh, dynasty uh, career. Where would you like to see him? <laughs> Actually, you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but uh, I think he'd fit in really well in Tennessee. There's so, definitely room for him. Yeah, there is. 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire for DJ Moore himself. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that would be very good NFL-wise. I thought you were going to say Minnesota for a second there. Oh, no. I mean, Carolina's got to be like the worst spot. (laughs) I think literally anywhere at this point from what we've seen would be better. Right. Yeah, for sure. Kansas City as well, just because, you know, he suffered in quarterback purgatory for so long. Let's give DJ Moore uh, Patrick Mahomes and see him just shoot back up up dynasty boards. It would be kind of cool to see. Um, We'll throw out one tight end. Actually, you know, we'll save him for the end. Uh, we'll go running back. Antonio Gibson, if he were to be Ooh. traded, where would you like to see him go? Start with Dan. Uh, anywhere but Washington. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think Antonio Gibson would be uh, – he, he could potentially be good in – he could potentially be good in L.A. Uh, with the Rams. Um I don't know. I mean, um, Atlanta also be a potential spot for him. Josh. So I, I think where I would put him, so my, my pre-draft comp for him was poor man's David Johnson. Put him in Arizona. There you yes. go. That's what I was going to say. Love nice. it. Yeah. Nice. I, I like that fit. I don't think James Conner is the answer. That extension, yep. I think, was one of the worst <laughs> extensions I've ever seen. Sorry, guys. Timber. Sorry. I thought the James Conner and Zach Ertz extensions were just the Cardinals truly having absolutely no idea what kind of team they were. And I think Gibson is more of the kind of team that they are. They need some more younger, potentially ascending players. And uh, we already know that David Johnson crushed there. I, I think Gibson would as well. JD, that was your that was your landing spot. Yeah, I got excited because I was I was thinking the same thing. Anytime Josh. You know, it's thinking similar to me. I, I got excited. I mean, how can I not? Larky runs I so like pure. Uh, I, I would like I would like to see him land in Miami and have a, a coach Ooh. where I think could utilize him well. They don't – the running backs there all kind of leave a, a little bit to be desired. And I think that I would love to see Mike McDaniel with Antonio Gibson, see what we could, we could get out of that. Um, the big fish, Christian McCaffrey, if he is moved, where would you like to see him go? Dan. 
See, you stole my thunder because I was saving Miami for CMC. So, uh, <laughs> you know, C- CMC with Mike McDaniel and then Waddle and Hill would be just absolutely lethal. Love to see it. Josh. So right now, there is a team that has a terrible offensive line. And they have a below average tight end getting nine targets a game as the safety blanket. That is the Rams. Running your offense through either Cooper Cup or Tyler Higby on every single play is not the way to do it. You want to make your offensive line look better? Have somebody like CMC who's a legitimate receiving threat out of the backfield. Pepper him with targets. The McVay offense generally hasn't given the running back a lot of targets, but I think CMC is a special talent. And I think he would actually fix a lot of what's wrong with that offense, where uh, that would help Allen Robinson. Teams would have to respect the short game even more. It would open things up for him. Anytime Stafford's under pressure with that bad offensive line, you can dump it off to someone extremely reliable like Christian McCaffrey, who is in a totally different stratosphere than someone like Darrell Henderson. So I, I think McVay could have a lot of fun with McCaffrey. And it would also help the Matt Stafford memes to have him throwing to Christian McCaffrey to go along with <laughs> Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll leave it at that. Go ahead, JD. Yes, the- <laughs> I, I, see, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind if you went because I have two answers just in case. But I, I, I say it, it would be super fun for him, obviously, to go to Buffalo. Just Josh Allen, CMC, Diggs. You know, it, it'd be fun to see him there. But maybe he can, you know, help this uh, Denver offense out a bit. They, they seem to need some help without uh, Javante Williams there. And Melgo now sitting on the sideline. As, as much as I love the Boone story, and I've got a lot of Boone and, and Murray, uh, I mean, you know, that's a serious upgrade if, if they add him to that uh, that offense. Yeah, I saw uh, Chad Schroeder uh, tweeted that out earlier today, and I've been thinking about it. I, I believe he's from Colorado originally. It'll be kind of a cool, oh, yeah, a cool thing. Um, and they, they certainly could use him. I think that would be a cool landing spot. Uh, and then one tight end, there's some, some trade rumors going around with him, is Mike Jacecki. Uh, we're going to touch on him with a, with a tight end question coming up, but – is there a landing spot you'd like to see for him? Dan, we'll start out with a tight end whisperer. Yeah, let's put him in it. In uh, Indy, what do you call? <laughs> Dan, you're frozen. You're frozen. Keep keep your line. Keep the punchline. Keep, keep your line. Go to go to because you're going to come back right when you need the punchline. Where would you like to see Mike Jacecki? So I will say, uh, I had. I wrote down three options and ranked them. Third for me was Indy, so I like that. My my first two was just, uh, we'll put this one as number two. If for some reason Waller's hamstring injury is a many, many week absence, we know how desperate the Raiders are. I think he'd fit in well there. But I think overall, just throw him at Tampa Bay. Ah, oh, man, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the place. I wish I had thought of that one. Uh, Dan, yeah. go back to you with your Indy comment. Oh, I, I just wanted to know what you call it when you've got uh, – what's the formation if you've got four tight ends, one running back, and a quarterback? Um, is that a <laughs> – do you call it an 0-4? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, like an alternate, it's like an alternate wide receiverless goal line offense. They could just run it as a base. Yeah. yeah you, you can't have 14 personnel, can you? You technically have to have like a couple of them, like a little more offset – yeah, I mean they'd they'd have to the tight ends would have Jacecki to line can up play as wide, wide receivers, receivers, but yeah, just second can line up as a wide out. He can yes. line up out wide. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, I, my serious answer was uh, I I'd like to see him in Cincinnati. I think uh, I think Hayden Hurst is all right there, but I think uh, Gusecki would be a lot better. 
Yeah, for for me, uh, I I kind of would go with the Baltimore Ravens. I know that Isaiah likely is there, but I think a second tight end, Jacecki's athleticism and and places he can win on the field and. Having him as a tight end, too, next to Mark Andrews, I think would be stylistically very good for Lamar Jackson. So I'd like to see that one. I'll send him to uh, – initially, I, I like the the Tampa one, obviously, but the Jets, I could see him being a nice fit with the Jets. I mean, you know, Conklin was good for a bit, but he would, uh, in my opinion, be an upgrade, I think, uh, in New York. Speaking of Jacecki, we saw a spike week from him last week. And we also saw increased usage from Noah Fant and Hunter Henry of late. Is this the revenge of the former low-end tight end ones? And do we have hope for any of these players being usable weekly tight end options? Or do you want no part of this? Start out with Josh. So I think my least favorite would be Noah Fant. I, I just don't understand how we get Noah Fant to be highly fantasy relevant when... I mean, e even though he's had some targets the last couple of weeks, he's still splitting snaps basically down the middle with Will Disley. And I don't really see that changing. They extended Will Disley. They like Will Disley. Oh, yeah. Hunter Henry, I think he would be my number two in terms of how excited I could be about him rest of season. He was very much buoyed by touchdowns last year. And this year, the usage has once again just been okay. I think there's also more faces there than there were last year. So it's a little harder to see how Hunter Henry fits. It's not just Jacoby Myers. It's Devontae Parker. It's Tyquan Thornton. So Henry, for me, I struggle to see it, but I see it a little more than Fant. Mike Kosicki, I think, has a nice, clear path. So I want to caution people from declaring it the full Mike Kosicki breakout because his big game with two touchdowns and 69 yards last week, the target share was still under 16%. They just happen to drop back and throw the ball nearly 50 times. But here's what I like about Mike Kosicki. He is finally becoming a nearly full-time player with his routes run. And on top of that, Kosicki, an injury to Tyreek Hill or an injury to Jalen Waddle, elevates him tremendously. I don't see a world where Fant or Henry are one injury away from being an absolute must-start difference maker. I think Kosicki immediately rises to that territory any week that Waddle or Hill is out. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on these guys? I see it pretty much the same. I think Gasicki's probably the guy that uh, has the most promise. Fant, uh, you know, you, you basically need Disley to get one of his massive injuries that uh, sadly he always gets, and happily he always seems to manage to bounce back from, no worse for the wear. Um, so we're happy to see that. And, it, it, and uh as far as Hunter Henry, I mean, just, you know, come on. You're just, you know, that's like anti-brand. That's anti-brand, Theo. Come on. You know, you know, well, better Andrew, Andrew, I, I hope Andrew's not, not going to listen to this show uh, while he's driving and, and hear <laughs> Hunter Henry thrown into a positive question. Uh, um, but, you know, the last two weeks, he's, he's going to trash his Laquinta room when he gets there. So, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For You're sure. going to see Hunter Henry and red lipstick on the mirror in his room. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can't ignore Hunter Henry, what he's done the last two weeks. I mean, the, the, yeah, that looks good. Oh, we lost Dan again. Um, I'm going to say, I, uh, sorry, Theo, I just wanted to throw this in just because you mentioned uh, Larky Disley. 
And I mean, three red zone targets, three touchdowns. That's all you got to say. It's it's kind of like the goal line back that takes away from the like the the you know the between the 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 twenties uh, back and kind of killing his upside. It's kind of the same thing here with Fant that we're seeing in, in Seattle because uh, Gino's looking for it, man. When he, when they get close to the end zone, Fant has had a nice two weeks in comparison to Disley, though, in terms of targets. This this past week, he uh, Fant led them in targets, and then two weeks ago, he he saw an uptick. And Disley, I think, had only one target this past week. I don't think Disley's had more than four targets this whole year. I mean, I would love, selfishly, I'd love to see Noah Fant because uh, I'm a fan of his. He has two tight end one uh, finishes in his career with pretty poor quarterback play. So, you know, see him next to DK and, and Lockett in an increased role, I think could be kind of fun. Um, he's, he's like tight end 19 right now. It would be kind of cool if he could rise up um, to tight end 12. I have a follow-up to, to, to Josh. I think at least in the leagues I play in, I know because I scooped him up a, a lot of places, um, Hunter Henry is off the waiver wire. But I think you're looking at a scenario this week where Jacecki's on a lot of waiver wires, no offense on pretty much every waiver wire. Daniel Bellinger is still on a number of waiver wires, and Greg Dulcich might be on some waiver wires. Of those four guys, who would you like to pick up and it, you can add context if there's a, you know, stash versus use or something like that. I, I think I would lean Dulcich. I, I think he's got really nice upside, uh, super athletic. And Denver's just been ransacked with injuries. They lost Tim Patrick. They lost Javante Williams, Judy and Russ. There couldn't be a worse fit in terms of what each of them wants to do offensively. It's pretty much just Cortland Sutton is who they're funneling the entire pass offense through. So I really like the the potential for Dulcich. And I mean, what what a way to start your your NFL career, not just the touchdown, but the, the high targets per route run, seeing real legitimate game action in, on a primetime game. So I, I would say that I would put him first just for the upside since ultimately at tight end, like all the there's everyone out there is getting you five to eight fantasy points a week. And then a few guys actually get you more. I think Dulcich has the best chance to get you more out of that group. Yeah, Dulcich looked awesome. Uh, you know, JD and I, we, we talked with uh, Vlad Sedler uh, last night and, uh, you know, we were all bullish on it and then it just happens and he gets the the touchdown. It was kind of cool to see. And and I, I do have him a lot of places. Uh, I would I would probably go Dulcich as well. But it's it's kind of a weird week where you have all these guys. You've also got Kate Otten. There's, there's tight ends to be picked up um, and possibly used. And you bring up the Waller injury. Foster Moreau might be interesting to use as a streamer this week too. So JD, who would you go with of, of those guys? Yeah, for sure. Dol- Dolchich. I mean, especially we saw, we saw him, you know, flash nicely, he, big plays too. Like you like a big play tight end you know, down the sidelines uh, could have maybe even had another touchdown, but we have a question from 1912 and this is what I wanted to ask Josh Kittles is, is, you know, not non-existent this year. Um, almost, do you see him coming back or is this like the new Kittle for you, Larky, or, or is this like a buy low? Where are you on Kittle rest of the season and, and even maybe beyond? This is a really tough one. I, I have him as my tight end three for week seven. I loved that he led the team in routes finally in week six. So I think there's a little bit of optimism. There's a little bit of hope. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is good for someone like George Kittle. Honestly, just good for the pass catchers to have a non-mobile quarterback in there. So I would say that after Kelsey and Andrews, 
there is not a clear tight end three. And I think you could make the case that Kittle should be that tight end three rest of season for his upside. So I, I, I'm feeling okay about him. He actually hasn't been blocking that much. I, I feel like a lot of people have joked about him blocking. I made a joke about him blocking on Twitter. He actually just hasn't been blocking much. I think it's funny to blame the lack of targets on that, but he's been running almost every single route this year, which I think is really, really positive for him. So I, I would buy at this point. And 10 targets this past week, right? 10 targets. Sorry. Yeah. And he he had, he had an opportunity for more. He caught eight balls. It was like over 80 yards and, and there was a potential touchdown that they didn't convert um, with Kittle, um, which would have made it just a smash, smash week. Uh, One big question for Josh, I know we're we're, we're getting to the end here. Um, The quarterback spot has been an absolute smash, especially with quarterbacks one through four. Josh Allen in particular has had top five performances in every game this season. Is late round QB dead? And will we see a move to more uh, early QB drafting kind of like we do with the truly elite tight ends where they get pushed up. I think we will. So I, I like to draft best ball. I did some of the underdog fantasy best ball resurrection tournament where it was, you drafted before week six and then it was basically week six to the rest of the season. Josh Allen was a round one pick. Lamar Jackson and Jalen hurts were round two picks. I kind of think that makes sense. Just the, the positional advantage that you can get with one of these absolutely elite options It's kind of like tight end where you're like, oh, it just feels good to set it and forget it. And I think right now we're really seeing what can happen when you have an elite quarterback and offense just isn't quite up to what you might have expected. So I think this could definitely be the start of a new trend. I posted a tweet yesterday that uh, definitely angered some Chargers fans, and I think they didn't realize I'm a Chargers fan. Josh Allen's worst fantasy point game of the season was 24 and a half. Justin Herbert's best fantasy point game of the season so far has been 24 and a half. The, the floor on Josh Allen is higher than most quarterback ceilings right now. Let that sink in. It's There's just such an advantage. It's like Christian McCaffrey. No matter how bad the Carolina offense is, you're getting 15 or more fantasy points every week from McCaffrey. But at the same time, we like raw fantasy points. And if you're just guaranteeing 25 or more fantasy points a week with that 40-point ceiling from Josh Allen, I don't think it can be understated how important that is for your fantasy team. And I do think we're going to start to see more of that shift where I, I wouldn't say that there's going to be round one quarterbacks next year, but it wouldn't shock me if Josh Allen's just a consistent round two, three turn pick next year with uh, Lamar Hurts type guys going kind of mid round three. None of that would surprise me. And if that was where ADP would shake out, I would consider just taking them there. We saw that after the Lamar smash season in, uh, in 2019, Dan and JD, you remember there was the, the, the start where, in FFPC, you'd see a Christian McCaffrey go one, 101, followed up by Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews at the 2-3 turn, just consistently. So I think there's been a precedent for that. I think that the difference will be you'll see the Jalen Hurtses, the Patrick Mahomes, uh, and the Lamar Jacksons go in the third round, and I think we'll see Josh Allen in the second round. I think that's kind of where we're heading, and it's such a such an advantage to have those, those mobile quarterbacks. So... Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, Josh, I, I want to get your – and uh, J.D. and Dan, if you had anything to add on the on the quarterback. I know we've talked about this a little bit. No, I, we've talked about it. I don't know if Dan has anything to add. But the only thing I'd add is just, yeah, I, I don't want to be shut out on, you know, those top quarterbacks. Um, 
But I would definitely also have some teams where I'm prospecting down later. Uh, to me, the biggest thing that we've seen from this year is kind of that quarterback dead zone, uh, you know, which is a concept we'd never really thought about before, but it definitely took shape this year. And so that's something to think about for next year, whether that's possible for, for something like that to happen or whether the fact that there was a quarterback dead zone this year will lead to more quarterback value uh, for next year uh, if you're willing to drop off of those top four guys. And it, it, it doesn't the the QB class that we just saw come in play a factor in that because there wasn't really anything there to grab onto. Whereas in previous years we had these rookie quarterbacks come in and and become factors, you know, and kind of fill that that next yeah. that next tier. Yeah, like Bryce Bryce Young. You know, you think about a guy like Bryce Young, um, you know, potentially coming in and being that's a, that's a good that's a good point, JD. I mean, get, like the market just corrects so hard on on even like the Trey Lance. Like you had to, to to draft Trey Lance high this year. The market wasn't yeah. letting you get the chance at that kind of rushing upside. So I don't know. It's uh it's definitely interesting to see, you know, how the market's gonna correct for redraft next year. And Josh, before you get out of here, we want to get a couple of your favorite buy low type guys, uh, potentially for a trade, and any positive regression player that you, you got your eye on. So I think in terms of positive regression. It has to be Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne has the quietest back-to-back games of at least 108 yards that I think I've ever seen. I think the general public does not know that Travis Etienne has 108 or more total yards in back-to-back weeks and that he is a becoming a, a pretty massive part of this offense. Yes, maybe the number of touches isn't outrageous, but I think that just shows like there's potentially room for growth. And if the last three weeks he's out-snapping J-Rob, and outgaining him two to one on a similar amount of touches. It's only a matter of time before he gets more touches. He has eight red zone carries. One of them was at the goal line. He's got three red zone targets. He has the elite uh, acceleration. Ian Harditz had a tweet earlier today that I thought was very fitting. He said, it looks like Travis Etienne has the unlimited Mario mushroom, which I kind of agree with. Like when you watch the guy on film, he just looks faster and more explosive than everybody else on the field. And despite all of this, and despite the Jaguars' offense being decent, he does not have a touchdown on the season. I, I do not think you can find a, a better positive regression by low candidate than that. Where, where are you guys with ETN? I know he's been pretty polarizing. He has not lived up to his draft cost yet, but I think there, there's hope. Archer, smash, smash the accept on that yeah. single target. Archer, Archer, like, smash! Come on, man. come on. That's you got to watch our, you got to watch the channel more often. Arthur, press the subscribe if you're asking the question. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. For sure, grab grab Etn everywhere you can right now. Um, yeah, Etn, we're we're big fans of his. I mean, I have a ton of Etn, and I was taking some L's, Same. but it looks like it's gonna uh, it's gonna come back to Etn season. He's explosive. He looks very good as a receiver. There's there's a lot to like about Etn. Yeah, I, I'm jamming in my him in my lineups, no matter how hard it is. Uh, I, th- I think the the huge game is just around the corner. I've got one more name that I really like. It's Amari Cooper. I don't think people quite realize just how good the usage has been. His target share has been nearly 30% on the season. There, There's a lot of peripherals that look similar to Cooper Cup's jump from 2020 to 2021. I'm not saying he is Cooper Cup. I, think, I don't think anyone saying that i'm not saying that but in terms of like the actual percent increase in like the target share the usage that's kind of what we're seeing right now 
with Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson should come back towards the end of the season when it's the fantasy playoffs, when all the money is made. And if I'm able to buy a guy at a mid to low range wide receiver two price, knowing that he has legitimate top five, top six wide receiver upside when Watson comes back for the end of the year, if he is actually this kind of guy that's going to have a high 20s target share, then I'm just all in. I don't think he's going to be worse with Watson. So I get like at worst, you're just buying the production that he's been giving you. He said four games with double digit targets on the season. Uh, Amari Cooper's just been absolutely incredible this year. All right, guys, we could, we could, you know, you know, when we get Larky on, we could go on for, for too, for too long, but yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's been gracious with his time. Josh, remind the people where they can find all your goodness out there in fantasy land and TikTok land because you're crushing it out there too. You can find me on Twitter at JLarkyTweets. You can find me on TikTok at JLarkyTikToks. But more importantly, all my work is free this year on the33rdteam.com. Every single week, I have my rankings with detailed player write-ups for the context, with my expected fantasy points model attached in my rankings for every player. Each week, I put out tons of free player props where I tell you the line, the sports book, and why I took that prop, both for the Sunday slate, for Thursday night football, and for Monday night football. I do multiple free podcasts a week, and every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, I'm on Sirius XM with Jade McCarthy, representing the 33rd team. So those are all the different places that you can consume my work. And then uh, just thank you, JD, Dan, Theo, the great as always i i don't, actually don't know is this my fourth fifth time sixth time yeah we're supposed we're, to we've done too many we, we can't keep track but <laughs> we can't keep always, track yeah it's always, always a, a blast uh, man you always yeah, bring always the heat too josh it's, it's always it's always excellent content every time you're in the district thank you for sure uh, for always sure. a good time yeah josh was awesome you guys in the chat were awesome tonight we appreciate you guys hanging with us live Dan's frozen in, in with a smile. I love it. We, yeah. we gotta somebody somebody take a, a screenshot. Oh, it's gone. Nineteen twelve already did probably. Yeah, he for sure got that. Hopefully, got that. He can uh, and shout out to nineteen twelve too for his awesome uh, reels. I actually forgot to use uh, the one for Theo today, so we'll use that uh, on Thursday if we do a, a tailgate. Guys, thanks for hanging out. Smash the like, the subscribe, uh, and uh, Theo, what do we have coming up, man? Uh, so we will be back here Thursday for uh, tailgate. Um, and then I have Billy Muzio tomorrow uh, for press coverage. And then we'll be back next week. I mean, we're, we're bringing, you know, three or four shows a week at this point. And, and uh, it's, it's been a, a great, great slate of guests. If you guys didn't listen to Vlad Sedler, definitely give that show a, a listen last night. Um, and then my waiver wire show is, is up as well. So keep sticking with us and uh, we're going to, we're going to help you crush your leagues. All right, guys, this has been a blast. We'll just check you all later. Goat district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played, so... What you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. 
open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. You have a nice view out of that window, Larky, or what are you what are you looking at there? Oh, that's not a window. I thought it was a window from the. No, it's not a window. I've got a, a little hallway into my kitchen. Oh, oh, look at that behind the scenes. See, guys, you stick around after the show. A little yeah. behind the scenes. Little behind it's the cribs. Scenes. We're we're running off cribs <laughs> with uh, Josh Larky. Yeah, let I me show it. you my seven hundred square foot. <laughs> that's awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome, Larky man. That was fun. We appreciate you having on every time. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. What do you guys think yeah. about Camaro?